Welcome to the Strawberry Jam Sessions, brought to you by Victorian Strawberries. I'm your host, Simone Austin, accredited practicing dietitian and lover of all things strawberry. Each episode will bring you a punnet full of goodness to help you make the most of Victorian strawberries. So let's get to it. So today I have with me a very special guest, Liesl Jones. Welcome, Liesl. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And it's really nice to reconnect after a few years when we were working together when you were still swimming. So it's always lovely to have connections come back in your life. Yeah, exactly. Especially when they're good, positive ones. (laughs) I'm very glad that you said that. (laughs) Uh, But before we get into it and, and learn a bit more about you for our listeners, I am going to let them know some of the wonderful accolades of your life so far. So just bear with me while I share this. At just 15 and the youngest member of the Sydney 2000 Olympic swimming team, Lisa won two silver medals in the 100 metre breaststroke and four by 100 metre medley relay, making her one of the youngest Olympic medalists in Australia's history. By the age of 18, Lisa was competing in her second Olympic Games in Athens, winning gold in world record time in the four by 100 metre medley relay, silver in the 200 metres breaststroke and a bronze medal in the 100 metre breaststroke. After facing many adversities and setbacks, she finally fulfilled her dream of winning individual Olympic gold in Beijing 2008 in the 100 metre breaststroke. She also won gold in the 400 by 100 metre medley relay and silver in the 200 metres breaststroke. Before farewelling her swimming career and swimsuit wedgies forever, Liesl competed in her fourth Olympic Games in London in 2012, finishing on a high of winning a silver medal in the 4 by 100 metre medley relay and becoming the first Australian swimmer to compete at four Olympics. That's amazing. (laughs) Post-retirement has seen Liesl's career, including releasing her memoir, Body Lengths, hosting Network 10 coverage of the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, and as a swimming expert commentator for the Seven Networks Tokyo Olympic Games. Wow, that's an awful lot to achieve in such a short time. Yeah, and I'm still only 36. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so you've got an awful long way to go to everything else that you want to do in your career. But I must ask, do you still get in the pool sometimes? No, not really. I like to stay dry as much as possible. As much as I live in Queensland now, so I mean, I should really be getting in the pool more often. It's very enticing, but I just, yeah, I just like staying dry as much yep. as I can. <laughs> you have it when and staying dry definitely because you've had a lot of years of being in the pool but what age did you actually start swimming what got you into swimming I was two so I've been in the pool most of my life so I adopted swimming very early it wasn't uh, the most I guess glamorous way to start swimming I had a really terrible first lesson where I actually sunk to the bottom and got out and cried and didn't want to go back again so for me, yeah, swimming's been a huge part of my life and, and I'm sure it will be for the rest of my life. So, yeah, starting at the age of two it certainly gets you prepared and comfortable with water and, and I'm sure it will always be. Yeah. And what about when you knew, look, this is more than just swimming lessons to learn how to swim. What age did you actually start becoming serious before you then went off to the your first Olympics at that young age? Well, I was really only quite serious about swimming when I was 13, which was a year before oh, I made the Olympics. Wow. 14. So I just did it really socially. I loved it. I just was hanging out with friends. I just loved club nights on Friday nights. I loved competitions on the Sunshine Coast and just 
always doing something with my swimming mates. That's the reason I did it was just more for social. And I think that's probably why I loved the sport so much because there was no pressure on it. I just did it because I loved it and I didn't have to do anything with it if I didn't want to. If I wanted to give it away, I was quite happy and that was an easy option to make, but I really liked it. A good thing that I like what you said there is swimming, you loved hanging out with your friends and your teammates because people often just assume that swimming is solo and it's all about yourself, but really it's still team. And I can even think my own kids who didn't swim anywhere near to your level, but they really loved going to swimming squad on Friday nights because they're going to hang out with their friends. Um, So that's really nice to hear that it, it still had that, sounds like it had that team our focus for you and the social focus. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a isolated sport. As much as the competition itself is individual, it's almost more like a team sport than anything else really, especially when we go to the Olympic Games. If you compare teams like hockey or water polo who are purely team events, we feel that we're more of a team than than even what they are, even though we compete individually because we depend on teammates and we depend on socially just having great friends. And the swim team is like a big family. It can be dysfunctional at times, but it is. It's just like hanging out with your mates and you love it and, and travelling overseas. We were just so lucky to be able to do that. And, yeah, it was just, uh, just such a great time to be able to just hang out with your best mates at all the time, nearly every yeah. day. And so then you obviously had a long career. So to keep you going for that long, did you have to set yourself goals and, you know, strategies to keep you going for that long around your performance? Goals were a huge part of what we did and they were refreshed every year, every season we started. And it was really important to sit down to make sure that our goals were in line with what was what we were capable of doing really and if our coach was capable of coaching us to that sort of level uh, we had to be quite realistic about what we wanted to achieve so goals were an important part of everything that we did and um and even now in my life it's just as much as the goals aren't as maybe specific as they would be in sport because they were time based you know a one 10509 is a very specific thing whereas my life probably <laughs> a little bit um, looser than that now, which is good. But, yeah, it's such an important thing as an athlete. If you don't have goals, it's you're just shooting in the dark, really. You have no clue about what you want to do. Is that a good thing? You know, is the performance I've had, is that good or is that bad? You just have no gauge. So it just gives you something to direct your focus and attention towards and you can chip away at it every single day. And so how do you use that now? How do you use that sort of goal focus in your life now? Or do you not use it? Oh, well, it's probably a little bit looser in that way for goal setting. So I do try and relax a little bit. I was very goal focused and very heavily. My whole life was wrapped around achieving this goal, very single minded, very, um, yeah, my whole life was just all about achieving those goals to and neglecting everything else in my life that was going on, particularly socially. So now in my life, I'm probably more conscious of being a bit softer around the goals that I want to achieve and they're not as specific as they used to be. And to be honest, I probably don't have too many at the moment. I'm kind of taking life as it comes and I've just started working on radio on Triple M. So I don't know that world. I don't know what goals look like. I don't know how to achieve them. So for me, I'm just quite loose with it. So I'm just kind of taking it one day as it comes. But once I start understanding the platform a little bit more and I understand then maybe we'll start setting some goals together as a team as to what we want to achieve. 
But that's probably nice, isn't it, to think that life is just a journey and that in parts of your life you do need to set some goals and then other parts it's like, oh, no, okay, I'm just exploring this. And as you said, when you understand it a bit more, then you might set yourself some goals around it. And I think that's probably a nice way to look at life, isn't it, that it doesn't have to be the same your whole life. And sometimes you don't need a lot of pressure on it either. Sometimes Mm. you can be a little bit loosey-goosey with what's going on. And sometimes we have so many balls in the air that we really can't focus on one area and just really hard hit one goal because that's at the sacrifice of other things as well. There's certainly times in life that that is a good thing and it does take a lot of preparation and a lot of goal setting and as much as there's certain things in life that you wouldn't think are a goal but actually are you know people like getting married or falling pregnant or they're they're actually goals but people don't see them as that but then they pick off little things as they go along so I think just I don't want to be at the detriment of other areas in my life at the moment so I'm just kind of yeah just exploring like you go with the flow a bit I go with the flow yeah yeah Yeah. and also sometimes that just brings opportunities that you might not have seen because if you're so goal focused it's like no no you're you're fending off everything else so sometimes it's nice to just let's see what that brings and in terms of the radio like how did that come about? Well, that was really out of the blue. So luckily that wasn't my goal because I had put my hat in the ring many times before for different radio roles and always said yes if there was an opportunity to trial out for a show. I always said yes, uh, but I did not put a goal on it at all. And it was certainly one of those things where I was just going, I'll put myself out there. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So that's the perfect example of not having a goal with that. My goal was not to land a a radio show. It was just I will make myself available. I will put myself out there. And if I get chosen, that's great. If I don't, my whole self-worth is not based on it. So it just came about where I just got this opportunity and just whatever happens, doors open and and I was ready there and waiting and I said, yep, happy to take it. So I kind of said yes and just hope for the best and it's been really wonderful so far, really loving it and learning and, and just taking it all in. I think that shows if you make yourself vulnerable, you put yourself out there, that's the way that things will come. Whereas if you don't make yourself vulnerable and open yourself up to opportunities, then they're not likely to come your way. So, And that's what you did. But you you had that balance of it wasn't the end of the world if it didn't happen. I didn't put any pressure on it. That was the thing. And I still don't, even to this day. If I, It's a very fickle industry. So if I happen to lose my job or something happens where they, they don't like what I'm doing or I won't take that personally, it's not about me as a person. And I think the big thing too is just about being yourself. Like it's about really giving it your all and being 100% who you are because if you try to be something else and then you get fired, then that would be awful because you think, oh, well, if I'd just been myself, maybe that's what they wanted. So I just don't put pressure on it. I just show up as I am, be vulnerable in in everything that I'm doing and just learn as much as I can. So I'm sure that's all you can do. (laughs) That's that's fantastic. Uh, And coming back to I've got to ask, can you tell me are there some real memorable moments? It could be in your swimming or in the rest of your life, but there must be, I know there's so many of those medals, but was there one in particular that stood out or a time at swimming that really stood out for you? Definitely winning individual Olympic gold in 2008 was by far probably the most standout medal. 
the thing is you don't remember a lot about the moments it, it kind of goes by so quickly unfortunately you don't remember so much of it and that's when you and I worked together before 2008 and we worked extremely hard especially on the dietary side of things because as much as I'd worked on it before it, it just didn't have that focus and so when we talk about goals this was purely one of those single-minded we'll make anything happened to get this job done and we, we mm -hmm. left no stone unturned in that way. So, yeah, it was that was probably one of the ones that as much as the other medals had a lot of work put in them, it just wasn't done in the right way. It just things didn't fall into place the way that they should have. One area might have been really strong but the, a lot of, you know, my swimming training might have been really strong but my dietary side was really weak or the gym side of things were going really well or my a mental capacity to do things were really weak. So 2008 was the time that all those elements just slipped into place and they were all really strong and that's what made it happen. So I'm probably more proud of those moments because the, just the amount of sheer amount of work that went into it. Um, I mean, it was only 18 months. It was pretty short, but imagine if I had done that so much earlier, I think I just could have been so much better. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, in terms of, I suppose, your diet, like a swimmer as any elite athlete, as we know as myself being a sports dietitian, elite athletes are often under a, an enormous pressure to eat a certain way, to look a certain way. And I really think over my 25 years as a sports dietitian, it's probably changed a lot yeah. where we really don't put that same pressure on maybe body composition as much. There's more about you've got to fuel yourself. Are you actually eating enough, which I think is fantastic. It's not so much about deprivation now. Did you notice a change in your career or now what you can see people are being told to do it all? It's great that that has changed because certainly mm -hmm. even when I was an athlete, it was about not to, I didn't feel deprived necessarily, but it is about eating more and about fueling. And I'm really glad that messaging is catching on because that's certainly something that you taught me as well, just that veggies are free and it's just about getting them in and you can eat more because you are burning so much because the metabolism and things that I've learnt since I've retired is just, it's really amazing that we've just deprived our bodies for so long yeah. in that way to try and be leaner and, and that leaner is better and it's not necessarily right. It's different for everybody else. So as much as I didn't feel deprived, I, I certainly took things too far from my choices and, and deviating away probably and being too strict and being too desperate to win golds that I pushed things too far. But it is great that athletes now have that mindset that it is about fueling the body and, and not about depriving ourselves of food because food is so vital. It's just about choosing the right things. And, yeah. um, and it's really great too. There's so many athletes around the world, like really top athletes who have just changed their focus with training, changed their focus with eating and just have become these mega elite athletes like they're not elite athletes they just sort of go to this next level and that's mm. that's where it's at that's the professionalism and the level we need to be at yeah it's, it's yeah and also um the importance of just enjoying food and that psychological yeah. um aspect of as you mentioned before like everything had to line up for you your mental health your gym your pool sessions and food just plays such a vital role in our mental health mm. not just um fueling our body for the energy and, and nutrients it provides. But it, it is so important from that mental health point of view too, isn't it? 
I would I would almost argue that that's more, you know, yeah. done the body, but I feel like it almost fuels our mind before anything else. And if you are neglecting that mental health side of things through the food and the gut, which you're so amazing mm-hmm. at the gut health stuff, which I loved working with you on. And if the gut's not right, the mental health is not right. And so no matter what you do, mentally stepping up behind the blocks, I would most people would say it's about 70% mental and 30% physical. So you can physically prepared but mentally if you're not there it's it's too difficult so I would almost argue that food for mental health is probably most important yeah true and for the listeners out there in terms of mental health a few tips for you on on eating is that particularly those fruits veggies not just for the fibers they are really important but even the vitamins the minerals the thousands of natural chemicals in there that we call phytochemicals we've actually found that our gut bacteria ferment those produce gases that are particularly good to look after our gut but they also cross into your blood and go to our brain and talk to our brain and talk to all different parts of our body, our immune health, um, everything. So fruits, veggies, legumes, whole grains, you've got a couple of kilos of gut bacteria in there that you need to feed. So um, keep eating all those uh, plant-type foods so that you can feed your gut. And one of those is strawberries. Victorian strawberries are obviously going to be fantastic in terms of the fibre and the polyphenols and the antioxidants they contain, good for your health but particularly good for your um, for your gut health. So I'm hoping you're uh, eating um, strawberries as well, Lisa, as part of I your love diet them. Now. Yeah, for sure. Look, I actually grew up on a strawberry farm. So I grew up in Wamuran in Queensland and, they're big strawberry growers and so my mum used to pick strawberries on this big strawberry farm and I used to sit on the back and tell knock-knock jokes as a kid. So <laughs> and I, um, she used to get mad because I used to eat all the strawberries off the back before they could go into the packing facility. So unfortunately during the 80s, early 90s, um, the Queensland probably missed out on a lot of good strawberries because I probably ate them all. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? Maybe they were the key to getting so primed. So. For to sure. swim well, to yes. win those medals. Definitely. Well, it's better than eating anything else. I, I couldn't have asked for a better snack, really. So I love strawberries. I've grown up with strawberries my whole life. And they are, you're right, they're snack. Like they don't need any preparation. You literally oh. open the punnet, maybe give them a wash. Wash. And then... And then off you go. And um, another dietitian I had on said that she, even when she makes a smoothie, she just puts the whole green in as well. Yeah. I haven't thought about that, but but Wait, why not? Like, not, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. And just eating stalks and all, it's, yeah, it's it all goes green in the end usually. So, you know, <laughs> so exactly. probably a bit more fibre in there, is there? <laughs> yeah, prob- probably, but I tend to keep the green to give my worms in my little worm oh, family. Oh, yeah, I would um, love that. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I give them to the worms and I tend to stick to the red bit unless I'm blending it, yeah, blending yeah. it all up. But, um, yeah. I mean, strawberries are perfect for for athletes because, yeah, they're going to give you the vitamin C, the vitamin A, the fibre. And they are, for those who are having to watch for lean, they are lowering um, kilojoules. Um, But that's not the only reason we want to eat them. We want to um, enjoy them. So on that note, Lisa, I'm going to ask you, what is your favourite way with Victorian strawberries, apart from on the back of your truck. Yeah, well, what way do you love them? Not straight, but I love putting um, just like Victorian strawberries are just amazing. Like they're just so 
like bright and red like they're just so delicious and they work really well in jam so i make jam with them with chia seeds so oh nice simple it's literally two ingredients and maybe a bit of water so maybe three but literally strawberries chia and a bit of water and it's the Mm. most natural strawberry jam it's not super sweet it goes on everything and the chia makes it really thick so you don't need extra sugar you don't need anything in it it's really Ah. so easy to make and you don't even need to buy jam like you don't even need to waste time and money buying fantastic it's and if you've got a few old strawberries they're great yes they're the ones that don't look amazing and they might be have been in the back of the fridge for a little while yeah yeah yeah. because they're so nice and sweet and and really beautiful oh fantastic so do you have about half the amount strawberries half the amount uh, chia or more three quarters yeah i think it's probably a couple of cups of strawberries and it might be yeah. a, a tablespoon two tablespoons yeah yeah it's not much, you don't need much chia because they really yeah. soak up yeah, yes cut everything but yeah good idea super duper simple and i love jam and i've always grown up with jam but the the commercial commercially packaged jam is full of sugar and yes. additives and and gums and things to keep it together yeah. but it gives you the i'm assuming you're the dietitian but it gives yes. you as well and the fiber and some good fats so mm-hmm. i'm going to get on to that i'm yeah. going to get my strawberries cook them up put my chia seeds in they'll swell up with the water and that, oh, I can't believe I didn't even think oh, about that. Oh, why not? It's beautiful, yeah. It's, and it's, oh, fantastic. Honestly, it takes two minutes. It just doesn't take any time at all. It's super easy. Beautiful. Maybe you could put Thank- a recipe up at the end of this podcast. Yes, yes. So um, I'll find a recipe or you maybe you can share yours with us yep. and um, we will we'll put that up for sure. So everyone look out for that. Thank you so much, Liesl, for joining us today. And I must try and tune in to the radio show as well. Yeah, but- sounds good. Thanks very much, Liesl. No worries. Thanks for joining us at the Strawberry Jam Sessions. If you've enjoyed this very delicious podcast, please let others know by rating us wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's plenty more strawberry goodness where that came from. Simply head to vicstrawberry.com.au. Until next time, I'm your host and strawberry lover, Simone Austin for Victorian Strawberries.